0: Thank you for tuning into Sojcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Hello,
1: everyone. You're listening to Reality by Rhea. Amidst increasing global hostilities, the issue of war and peace has assumed utmost importance. In this incredible conversation, my guest today is a war crime journalist and the author of Amazon bestseller, Only Cry for the Living, memos from inside the ISIS battlefield. She has also covered war-torn area stories from Afghanistan, Syria, Iran, and many others. Without wasting time, let's welcome Ms. Holly McKay. Hello ma'am, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So, I'll start the session by asking you, what made you choose to become a war crime investigator? You
0: know, it sounds cliche, but I really do think it's one of those things that chooses you. Um, I was a journalist uh, for a long time, covering a lot of general assignment. I was based in California, and I just was traveling a lot, and I just had a deep curiosity for the world, and it sort of led me to the Middle East, um, and I started doing a lot of work there, and I just, I felt very at home there. I felt that there were a lot of stories that needed to be told. I just felt that there was a lot of complexities that weren't really being communicated very well, and I wanted to... Kind of be that vessel that could bring back those stories and really explain difficult things in a, a simple way so that people could really engage with that so uh, and with that the stories that i was really drawn to were stories involving survivors stories that involved just ordinary people that were thrust into these extraordinary situations and that often involved uh, war crimes and crises and things under that umbrella
1: And uh, when was the first time you went to cover a story on terrorism from Ground Zero? And uh, what did you feel back then? Uh, That was sort of
0: back uh, in around sort of 2013, 2014, with the rise of ISIS in Syria and Iraq. Um, I just remember thinking that there were just so many things that I wasn't being told. They were just. Things were not black and white, and I think in the media that we want to always present things as a good person and a bad person and and uh, not much in between, and I just found that there were just so many complexities and nuances, and it was very difficult at first to really get my head around it because it was so far removed from the life that I lived and the childhood that I had had in Australia, and it just, it baffled me to think that this was just how so many people in the world really live, and it was more that I was the exception rather than the norm and that just, you know, it broke my heart and I wanted to be able to do whatever small part that I could do at least to um, bring some uh, justice to these people and not justice in a formal sense because I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a prosecutor, I can't do that. But just in having their stories told, that was a sense of justice for these people. And so if I could tell the stories, I wanted to tell the stories. And so that's sort of always been my motivator since then is, is just, Um, whatever part that I can play, and and I feel that my part is just being able to bring awareness.
1: Like, even if I um, watch TV and and then I see the news about war, it breaks my heart. And seeing it from ground zero, uh, you must have experienced some mental health issue about tackling those disturbing scenes.
0: Yeah, I do. And it's taken me a long time to reconcile with that. I think when you are for so long surrounded by people that really just had to endure the most unfathomable things, it's very difficult for for you or for somebody like me um, to be able to, you know, there's a guilt that's associated with trying to say that I have any sort of mental health issue when I'm talking to people that have just you know being tortured and raped and and had their livelihoods taken from them and their family killed in front of them and it's it, it in a way it, it felt very selfish for me to sort of acknowledge that i had any ramifications of that as well but i think with the passing of time and it often does take a lot of time to kind of reconcile with that i think it definitely has had its impact on me in the sense that Um, I think there's just a lot of sadness that comes with it, there's a lot of helplessness that comes with it, there's a lot of paranoia that comes with it, and that's been a really big thing for me is you know, being, you know, I might be at home in America and
1: in an apartment in
0: New York, but just this feeling of everybody's tracking you, everybody's following you, somebody wants something from you, somebody's you know, and it's it's this heightened paranoia that I think I suffered with for a long time and, and still have to kind of keep at bay, so that's sort of the way that it's manifested for me. But it's really important to have a strong network. It's really important to have friends that are just, you know, that don't want anything from you that you can just go and hang out with and have dinner with and not talk about war stuff. And But it's at the same time, it's also important to have a different set, subset of friends that maybe have experienced things you've experienced. They've either been in military or aid workers or war photographers. So it's really good to have both because you want to be able to have A community of people who understand what you're going through and then you want to be able to have you know the people that love you just for you and they don't want to be saddled with all these you know war stories every day so it's just i do a lot of wellness um i try to keep very calm very centered a lot of meditation a lot of dancing a lot of yoga i just do things that uh, keep me very grounded and that really uh has a profound impact in in supporting my my mental health
1: like this Tune in for more with the SochCast app from the Google Play Store. What is the most disturbing scene that you witnessed during covering a story about the war? There's just been
0: so many. I think for me, you know, some of the most disturbing scenes are people that have just, especially women that have had to endure sexual violence in war, that you know, a lot of the Yazidi women during the reign of ISIS were taken and they were sold as sex slaves in markets and some of them were young as eight years old. And, you know, just sort of coming back and their heaviness of their trauma and uh, the stigmas that are associated with those with sexual violence and and just kind of having to be there as, as um, and, and often sometimes I was the first person that they were talking to because they'd just been rescued. And so that for me, in them, sort of recounting their stories, and they were extremely brave to do that, um, and just sort of having to to sit there and listen and not not really be able to do anything. There was nothing I could do to erase their memory. There was nothing that I, you know, could do to necessarily make their situation any better. And I think that you know that was just horrific in itself, in, in just listening to often these very young girls that have just experienced such a, a depth of trauma and and. Um, and they're extraordinary survivors and sort of just to think that most people go about their day and we never really understand what these people go through and we don't really know how to help so that's always something i've tried to do with my work is is at least in way, raising awareness and giving people some tools to understand how how they can contribute and they can help in, the, in these places because you know someone always said to me we think that things that happen in faraway places they can't happen in our homeland and they can't happen in the town we're from we, we know that's just not true if it can
1: happen where uh, did the idea of writing a book about the horrible experience under Isis originated I've always
0: loved to write ever since I was a little girl I loved to write I was very creative I spent a lot of my uh, long stretches of time um up and my grandfather had a sugar cane farm in north queensland and so i really nurtured my love for reading and writing then and so it was something i always wanted to do and and throughout my 20s i was sort of always i want to write a book i don't really know what i want to write about and i would start things and i would just never never take it to the next level and and i guess that was just because i hadn't found the right thing yet so when i was working a lot in the middle east and covering a lot of the isis conflict I knew I wanted to somehow write a book. I just wasn't sure what that looked like. I wasn't sure, you know, what shape that should take. And it wasn't till, till about halfway through covering that conflict, so around twenty 26- six. I started to go, ah, oh, this is how I want to structure it. And I, I thought of the idea, I had all these notebooks piled up in my apartment and I thought if I could structure these and break these down into little memos and, and sort of shorter stories that people would want to read. Um, but that was also in a chronological order, so you could sort of trace the beginning of the conflict through to sort of the end. Um, I thought that would be an easy read and, an, and a really different way of explaining a complex situation to people and so once I sort of got the idea and I stuck to it. Uh,
1: Do you think that uh, reporters uh, command more social stature uh, when uh, they cover such stories about war? Necessarily think so. I think that
0: uh, the work of journalists is important. I think the work of aid workers is important. I think the work of military is important. I think the work of uh, you know all different facets that make up uh, co- you know people working conflict. Everybody has a different role to play. And it's all important. I've never viewed my job. You know, I'm I'm just a writer. I'm a lonely writer. I'm, you know, and I don't you know view myself as being uh, necessarily of any you know greater worth than the people that I'm you know, living in a tent with. So uh, from that perspective, I don't think so. It's a profession you go into because you love it. It's not a profession you go into to make a lot of money. It's not a profession that you go into um, to have a social stature. I think the role of a journalist is to be that fly on the wall. It's to be the narrator and, and, you know, tell the story, but you're telling someone else's story, not your story. And that's not to say you can't have an opinion or a reflection, but I think a lot of journalism has become... A little bit self-centered and you know journalists want to go in and be the story and i, I just i don't that's not my approach my approach is very much um, i'm telling somebody else's story so from that point of view i um i think it's important to sort of go in with that sense of humility. Having said that, you know, I think it's always very easy for people, you know, other journalists or people that that don't go into war zones that, you know, are working from a studio or from their computer, you know, on Twitter these days to sort of attack the profession or try to make it less noble than it is. Um, I think that's very easy said than done. Um, And I think that, you know, I have many wonderful colleagues who really extraordinary work and risk their lives to tell these stories and i think it's always an important thing to acknowledge that and um you know and again it's not a profession that you go into for any sort of um accolades but it's for me it's always about going in and doing the work and and to me that is the accolade i get to sit with the most extraordinary people on the planet i get to experience um, different cultures different food different music and that to me is 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 the prize and and i'm so grateful for for that
1: like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store what could be the possible root cause behind the tensions and conflict that exist till now in the previous region
0: yeah, I think a lot of the problems that we see really are rooted in corruption, and I think that's often overlooked. We tend to look at terrorism um, as being a root cause, when often terrorism is a, uh, I guess a sub, you know, it's a sublink to it, or it's a, it's the a symptom of the problem. And I think what I've seen so much when I've talked to different people that have joined any of these militia groups is. They get fed up with this idea of, um, you know, they're struggling to make ends meet and yet they see their leaders and the people uh, that are, you know, nepotistically close to somebody or they're the brother of a leader in the community and and they're getting all these rewards and top jobs and that they're not qualified for. And I think that builds resentment after a while. If you have to go and pay off a a police officer every time you pass a checkpoint and to get to work when you already have, don't have a lot of money, that's going to, great on you for a while and when somebody comes to you as a recruiter and says hey we have this militia we're going to overthrow these people and you've spent years sort of being oppressed or abused and you see this is you know nothing left to lose this is your only opportunity you are going to take that so I really think we need to take a much broader view of corruption on on large scale and small scale and try to root that out and try to uh, identify with you know, what a lot of local people are experiencing and try to um, be a bit sympathetic to that.
1: Do you think that war could ever end? War and conflicts that still uh, takes place in many places of the world could ever end and the world would be peaceful someday?
0: It's a lovely thought and in my idealistic self, I really want to say yes, it can. But uh, to be realistic, war has... You know, it's something that's been part of society since the beginning of time. And I don't necessarily think the goal, at least not in my lifetime, is to end war. I think the goal is about reducing it as much as we can and really focusing on prevention and looking at ways that things can be stopped before they start. Too often we want to get involved in a conflict after it's already started and it's just too late then. It's out of our hands, it's out of control, people are dying. And and the point that a war has started it is too late. So I think efforts really need to be shifted to prevention and just as much as we can do in scaling it down, scaling it down and sort of chipping it away at it bit by bit. Um, and again, it's those small victories. It's the small steps we need to be looking at and uh, and, and just eliminating it as much as possible in, in a realistic point of view.
1: Of all the countries that you've visited, uh, which country did you find uh, the most bleak?
0: You know, I think that from a danger level, I would say probably Afghanistan, because, you know, it's sort of every day there are suicide bombings there every day, and it's just, they're so arbitrary. You don't know that moment you leave your compound and you're in, in the street, whether it's in Kabul or whether it's in another province, um, the level of danger is really high and it's so unfortunate that it's even higher now than you know it was even 10, 20 years ago and um, yeah I think it's this sort of sense of just a lot of unknown and you know every time you leave as I said or even when you're in your compound or apartment or wherever you're living you know you can go to bed that night and you just don't know what will happen. And I think it's that very unknown sense of danger, and you know, it's not there's a there's not a, a specific front line or you know anything that I've worked in in a lot of other places. It's just this constant sense of unknown. I think in Afghanistan as well. So, and I have a deep love for that country. I think, you know, it's an extraordinary, beautiful place with lots of extraordinarily beautiful people, and you know, it's just heartbreaking to think that um, you know, there are kids now growing up that don't know anything but war.
1: Uh, did you ever confront with a like that situation of the, like you were put in a very dangerous place yeah absolutely
0: um, there's been many sort of situations uh, where it's just it's luck and it's timing and and you know where I've um, you know just passed a spot in Turned around. I remember one time in Kabul, just passing, you know, insisting that I I wanted to change a meeting from where I was staying into a a different location, and and I sort of had an argument with my local fixer about it because he wanted to stay there and I wanted to go somewhere else just because I wanted some sunshine. And eventually, I won, and we got the driver, and we drove sort of across Kabul, and you know two minutes later you turn around and it was just a you know entire tanker truck that exploded and, and it exploded right where I would have been um you know had I not argued to have that meeting changed so all the things that kind of have to line up in life sometimes to to save you and you really have to trust your intuition and really trust that gut instinct and especially as women we have very strong gut instincts and we have to really tap into that when we're working in hostile environments and really tap in and not ignore it because there are always sort of some signal that that we're being told and so for me it's just i am um, i'm very at peace with the decisions i make when i go into places i know that i'm going in there willingly whereas the people that live there they have no choice and they have to live through that day in and day out and and i um, you know very and it's such an admiring trait you know that what people are able to do and their resilience and i'm just constantly in awe of that
1: thank you so much for joining us once again
0: thank you follow me on instagram it's h-o-l-l-i-e-s-m-c-k-a-y and also on twitter and uh, and I'd love to engage with you more, a personalized documentation about war crimes and, and any topics that uh, your listeners would love me to explore more as well, feel free, I'm always open to ideas. So it's just lovely to engage with people that care about the world and care about survivors and, and exposing a lot of the crimes that are happening. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this SochCast. What is your Soch?